Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 171 of Yoga Land. Jason is here with me today. Did you know this is the second to last episode of the season? I think I knew that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, how, what duration break are you going to take? Uh, I believe I take four weeks. What are people going to do with their lives? Back episodes. Back episodes. Got a big archive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So last week's episode was all about your tips for handling challenging students. Yeah. It was really popular, just anecdotally. People thought it was really funny and relatable. Good. And people sent me some other examples that we missed, one of which I can't believe we didn't think about, people texting during class. Yeah. I mean, that ha- you know what I didn't tell you? This happened a lot. It's just literally popping in my head. I was teaching a beginner's class at the Bay Club like probably 10 years ago. And like mid-class, I heard like uh, rappers shuffling. Like, you know, the distinct sound yes. of someone opening a wrapper? Yes. And I thought to myself, is someone snacking? And I didn't kind of think that much about it. And then a few minutes later, I had kind of pivoted and I was in the back of the room. And right next to a guy's yoga mat was a uh, an empty Snickers wrapper. That should have been a commercial. Because exactly, like, basically, maybe he was the ad camp, the Snickers ad campaign guy. Yeah, my first thought was like, all right, well, that's weird. But then I was like, well, you know, my dad's diabetic. Maybe he's diabetic. Or maybe, you know what? Maybe he just had a hankering for a Snickers. (laughs) He had an itching for a Snickers. He was like, yes, I just went to the vending machine before this class. And I happen to have it in my... And you know what? As As someone that exercises and practices a lot, low blood sugar is no fun, man. It is not a laughing matter. Yeah. So I was very unjudgmental of the situation. Okay. But I thought so, it was kind of funny. So we have texters, we have Snickers eaters. There was also someone who brought up, and I, again, we sort we sort of talked a bit about this, but she said, what about the loud, like loud talking interrupters? I mean, we did actually talk about yeah. people talking. Yeah, there's a lot of talking. Or like chatter. There's also another one, which is, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people film themselves practicing now. Oh, yeah, you've told me that. It's really common. So here's how I keep it together around it, which is I assume that it is a way of people recording the practice to practice again. Sure. In which case, I don't mind. Sure, we can, we can so decide that, that, that that's that, what it is. That's what I have to decide it is, <laughs> yeah. or else it, it brings me to existential despair. I, yes, I can't even go there right now. Yeah. Too much despair. The last person I want to see practicing yoga is me. True, but we we are not really of the generation of you know we're not native cell phone uh, that's iPhone true. users. That's true. Yeah, cell phone users. We are native flip phone users. Okay, there's one more example that I just thought I would share because it's kind of outrageous and it reminded me of a, a episode of a TV show that you and I watched together. So she says I had to break up a physical fight between two women <laughs> regarding the air conditioning, which resulted in a PT. That must be like a police police person like this she's british having to sit in on class so they would behave one of them also hid the aircon remote for me i wish i'd paid them 20 dollars to leave instead okay so this actually happens kind of in lesser dose all the time because temperatures like this very personal thing and people often think that they have the sole ownership of a group space right 
And so the way they want it to be is the way it is to be. And so this happens with some frequency. I will have, because I teach at Love Story and it's heated, almost all of my students, I would say, like, they're not there for the heat. Like, I don't think I mostly attract students for the heat component. So it's not as much of an issue, but I will have scenarios where someone opens the door and someone else within two or three minutes goes over and closes the door. So that happens. I get it. That happens. It reminded me of that episode of that Netflix show. We only watched a few episodes, but it's called I'm Sorry, where the woman, the main character, Andrea, is in an exercise class. And there's, I think she wants the air conditioning on and the other women don't, or it's vice versa. I can't remember, but it's... You know, you know Amy Plevin, who's definitely listening to this right now. And yes, mind. hi, Amy. She comes to Love Story. She, by the way, has a ridiculously good, strong yoga practice, you man. You always tell me that. She is always under like one of the main fans. And a lot of times I won't turn the fans on until, until a while in the salutations. But she, I'll tell you what, man, she gives me, she gives as much eye contact to me as possible when those fans are not on. Oh, that's cute. And it's, it's clearly <laughs> a way of like, and then I bump hers up and I always tell her I, I bump hers up like I put on two higher than everyone else's. And Amy she's is not put a in pushy, the time. she's not a pushy person. No, so, she's yeah. put in the time and she knows how to have that nonverbal communication. <laughs> get good. that fan going, Good dude. for you, Amy. Okay, so today we're going to switch topics completely. We are going to talk about, well, you said that you had someone approach you this past weekend. With yeah, this I was in, not this weekend, this weekend I was in Portland. The previous weekend I was in DC, which I had a great time in both of those places. And I had a student at the end of a long weekend ask me, and she was just talking physically. She wasn't talking about mentally, emotionally, spiritual. She's just talking physically. She asked me the question, is yoga enough? Is yoga a sufficient and complete enough practice to maintain all of your physicality as well as you want to maintain your physicality? And my immediate response was, maybe, yes, no, I don't know. It depends. Probably. <laughs> and I then the bottom the line answer is, of course, it depends, yeah. right? And, and it's kind of an easy answer that we could walk away from, but I thought that I could share my thoughts and my insights around that topic because if I were teaching, like I tell people this all the time, like if I was teaching a yoga for dot, 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 I would probably alter my technique. So if I was teaching yoga for athletes, if I was teaching yoga for powerlifters, if I was teaching yoga for swimmers and climbers, then I would mostly be using the physicality of yoga as a secondary adjunct to help balance a primary endeavor. But I don't teach yoga for dot, dot, dot. I teach yoga for yoga, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to make it as comprehensive of a physical experience as it can be. And again, I just, I feel like I'm going to say this the whole episode, but I'm just talking about the physicality of it. So I feel like it's my responsibility to help people develop both ranges of the movement spectrum. I think it's important for me to teach people how to move and move robustly and vigorously. 
but also to teach people and to provide them the opportunity to be still and to be quiet and to be self-soothed. And to, in all of my practice, I really try to have a very complete, comprehensive physical arc. I try to help students build the three different phases of strength, isometric, eccentric, concentric. I try to give people the opportunity to do some passive range of motion and some resisted range of motion. I try to give people these phases of class where admittedly they're working pretty hard at rhythm. And I try to give long breaks, right? And so when I think about answering that question, is yoga enough? Not just how I think, but how I behave as a yoga teacher. I really try in my classes to make it enough. All of that being said, I think two things stand out, which is number one, I don't think that the majority of my yoga students anymore only do yoga in terms of physical expression. And number two, I don't either. Mm -hmm. And I haven't for a long time. So I think the answer to is yoga enough, it, it depends on what kind of yoga, how comprehensive is your yoga practice. Do you do a really comprehensive style of yoga or do you do a more limited style of yoga? But then do you balance that with another more limited style of yoga? Like, do you do a super intense kind of practice, but also a restorative kind of practice, you know? So I think it depends on how you're diversifying your physical experience. And then to be honest, it also just depends on your level of fitness and your level of interest in cardiac performance. Mm -hmm. It depends on your level of interest of, is yoga enough if that's going to be your primary physical outlet? Probably. Is yoga enough to help train you for a marathon? No. Yeah. Right? So it's it just, there's so many things that it depends, but I I thought that we could kind of talk openly about that and share the different ways in which we use yoga as a physical component of our own personal well-being, because we both do multiple things these days. Yeah. I think just to clarify what the point that you were making, it's, you have to sort of start with, is yoga enough? Well, what are your goals? What are your objectives? Right. Like, right. And where are you in your life? And what kind of life are you living? If you live a life where you do a lot of manual labor all day, and you're lifting heavy objects, and you're walking up steep hills and climbing ladders, then, you know, you might not need a, a different cardiovascular or strength-based modality. Totally. And you might not need an intense vinyasa class. Yeah. And if I can pause you just for a second, like the person that was asking me, you know, she shared afterwards that she's a very stressful life. I won't go into it, but her job is stressful or it's physically intense. It's mentally intense. So I think part of the questioning was like, look, I have all of these demands in my life. I want to know that yoga is a really good thing for me. And I don't also have to like start training for a marathon and mm -hmm. do all of these. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because we can start to stack up so many different demands if we don't think our yoga practice is enough. So if you have an intense life and is yoga enough if you do it in a comprehensive, balanced way to have good control of your body, good spatial awareness, good range of motion, good strength in those motion, and to be more comfortable and settled, yeah, it's a pretty damn good thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Related to, to this, it's sort of like, 
we just go through a lot of different seasons in our life. And so you you have to be constantly, I, I believe when it comes to your health and your health span, right? Like you want to stay healthy for as long as possible. You want to stay mobile and agile and strong. And you want your energy level to be fairly steady as you age. You have to continuously reassess. Yeah, I think that when I was working at a desk, and I was, I would spend hours, you know, not standing up before I had the Apple Watch to tell me to stand up. Like, seriously, I didn't count steps. I didn't do anything like that. I woke up, I walked to the train in the morning. I took the train, I walked to the office. And that was pretty much the extent of how much I walked all day. And then I did that same commute in reverse. I don't think yoga was enough for me at that time. Yeah. It's yeah. what I did. It's it's the only thing I did. That- and I. At that time, were you doing a more vigorous style of yoga? Yeah, I was not more than I do now. Yeah. But I don't think that I was getting enough cardiovascular exercise to balance out the rest of my... I guess the point I'm trying to make is you really have to be honest. I simply wasn't moving enough. Yeah, I mean, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. is yeah, I yeah. could have just added a 45-minute walk at lunch totally, every day. Totally, totally. And that could have been totally, enough. Totally. I think what started the change for me was probably, I don't know, right around turning 40. Uh, So five, five and a half years ago, I just started to realize in certain scenarios that, okay, let, let me take a step further back. I played hockey as a kid from five to 20. I skateboarded. I always did physical things. And when I came to yoga, I was relatively strong. And I, because I also had done a lot of weight training for hockey, especially through high school years and first year of college. So I came into yoga in pretty good shape, pretty good cardiovascular shape. And I had a lot of strength, but I was really tight. I was like that classic strong, tight body type. So for a long period of time, that formed my identity which was I identified myself as strong and tight and in like pretty good cardiovascular shape. And then about 15 or 20 years later, so come around 40, I started to finally realize there were some situations that revealed to me that that had been flipped around, that I actually wasn't very strong and I wasn't in good shape. And I remember this time it was like really clear. I was leaving the mindful body. I feel like I've probably even said it on this podcast before. I was leaving on the mindful body. And the, those of you that don't know, that's on, it's in San Francisco. I was working at that studio for a long time. So I guess it was more like, I was more like 35, actually, not 40. And the bus went by and I, I needed to get on that bus. <laughs> and so I sprinted one block and I almost bleeping died. <laughs> Like I literally, like I couldn't run for, I couldn't sprint hard for a block. And then I got on the bus and I was like huffing. I got the bus. I got the bus, right? I got on the bus. I was huffing and puffing. My knees hurt. My ankles hurt. Wow. And this was just like one moment where I I just had this thing of like, oh, I haven't been attending to that, you know? And it's not like, is yoga good or bad? But it's like, it's not my, like my yoga practice had, had 
created my out of shapeness. No. It's that I hadn't been focusing on that thing. I hadn't been cultivating that That's thing. That's the fast twitch, right? Well, it's a lot of things, but yeah. yes, I hadn't been cultivating that. Mm-hmm. So I just started to realize like, oh, I, I need to actually address this. Then another thing happened around that time. I don't think I've really even, I don't think I've ever spoken publicly about this. Oh my this, goodness. Which was around that time, I was starting to do more video stuff. I won't say I had body image issues, but anyone, you put them in front of a camera and there, if for me, I wanted to have a certain amount of muscle tone, you know? And so those two things kind of hit me around the same time that I had lost a lot of my cardiovascular endurance and I didn't have the kind of body tone, the kind of muscle tone that made me feel like comfortable with myself, right? Which is it, which is a, a complex thing. But so I just kind of decided, that was about 10 years ago. I just kind of decided like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym a little bit. And then when I started to go to the gym a little bit, two things happened, which was I remembered I actually really liked going to the gym. Like I worked out that kind of way long before I did yoga. The other thing that happened was I was reminded how much I liked not going to the gym and going to yoga class. Mm -hmm. Like by starting to go to the gym a little bit, and it was really haphazard. Like I didn't have a trainer or any of that stuff, right? But I started to develop contrast, right? I wasn't just doing yoga for my physical needs. I was also going to a gym. And those two gave me contrast and I enjoyed both of them. And then I kind of blew off the the working out thing until I started training about four years ago in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And at that point, because I was training really hard, especially with much younger guys, I just realized like, if I want to do this thing, I need to develop my conditioning much more. And so all of those things complement now. I don't think I've ever actually felt better in my asana practice. I haven't lost range of motion except for my shoulders and back bends are a little bit rougher than they used to be. But I really like just having a, I like having a lot of different ways in which I intersect with my body. And my asana practice is the primary one, but it's not the singular one. And I will say this is I feel like doing things outside of my asana practice has helped me stay in tune and stay fresh with my asana practice too. Yeah. I don't I don't actually feel like it's taken away from it. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the other things that I do add value and add insight to it. Mm-hmm. So if you were to identify for you personally anything that going to the gym or doing jujitsu has improved that your yoga practice wasn't quite hitting. Let me flip it for a second, which is to tell you why I think I do those things well. Which is not to say I'm good at jujitsu compared to other people. I'm not. But relatively speaking, the thing that my yoga practice has given me has trained me so well in its proprioception. I know where my body is in space. So I can adapt to new techniques pretty well. Like I can do functional training stuff pretty well. Like I'm never at a loss for spatial awareness. I'm not necessarily good or strong at certain things, but I can see a technique that's interesting being done in the gym and I can figure it out. I can adapt to it very quickly. Or when I train in jujitsu, I always know where my body is in space and whether or not it's compromised or whether it's safe. 
So I wanted to put that out there is, is just kind of before I say what those things have added to my yoga practice, my yoga practice is so completely informed how I do all of my physicality because of my spatial awareness. One of the things that happens in my yoga practice now is I don't feel like I over move. I don't feel like I go too far in my weak spots anymore. In your yoga practice? In or? my yoga practice. Uh, so, okay. so from more conditioning and more strength training, I don't want to just say I'm stronger, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like there are certain joints of my body that are sensitive to excessive motion, mm-hmm. especially lower back and sacrum. I don't bother my lower back and sacrum in my yoga practice ever anymore because I'm not going too far with too little stability and engagement in those regions. So because I have much more strength in those regions, I don't overstretch those regions anymore. I don't violate them anymore um, by going too far and too passively. Um, So the strength helps me distribute the stress of the postures that much better, which isn't to say like I'm trying to stress my body terribly, but like even in an upward facing dog, you know, like I used to an upward facing dog because I do plenty of vinyasas, my lower back and a bunch of upward facing dogs starts getting a little tired and I ignore it and I'm like, oh, it's okay. But then it talks to me. My lower back is never feels any amount of disparate sensation anymore compared to my lower back and my mid back and my shoulder joint and my hip joint. So I've shored up what I would say are the weak spots of my body that to be quite honest, I just didn't know they were weak. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I just actually didn't know how weak the backside of my body had gotten. And now that it isn't weak, I don't feel those same vulnerabilities either in my deeper front bends or my deeper back bends. It feels like I have much more cohesiveness and continuity and much more distribution of the demands and stressors. I would say the other thing too, which is like, I've always wanted to be pretty physical. I've always, physicality has always been something I've enjoyed, but it's also been one of the ways that I regulate my attention or my lack of attention and my nervous system. So I've always wanted to be pretty physical, but what I used to find when I tried to work really intensely in an asana practice is I would often hurt myself. I would push myself too hard and go too far because I was I was trying to get like a physical thing. I think I've had the same experience. You know? Yeah. Which isn't to say I don't work hard, but I I'll put it this way, which is I don't put my conditioning stress or desires or demands primarily on my yoga practice anymore. I put those conditioning stress and demands in weight-bearing exercises that don't stress my joints in as many complex directions. So it's interesting because I can do in some ways, I do as many hard poses as I ever used to. I'm better in the harder poses than I used to be, but I don't flow in such a way where in my flow, I'm trying to like get a workout on. Yeah, I flow in such a way where I really am just going inside and breathing and paying attention and being embodied and feeling how things work because I don't have that voice inside my head anymore saying, you should work hard enough to get the sweat on. You should <laughs> yeah. work hard. 
which isn't to say that those are bad voices. It's to say that putting those physical demands on some other modality for me has been a more sustainable way, not just to do yoga, but to do everything. Yeah. I mean, for some people, they might not have that experience that you and I have, which is they might work really, really hard in their yoga practice. And that might just feel amazing. Totally. They might not have like the soft tissue (laughs) vulnerabilities, but I would say that my experience has been really similar. There's two things. One thing I would say is that I don't think I really did a true chaturanga until I started lifting weights Mm. because I just, I don't know what it is about my body. It might be that I carry so much more weight in my lower body or just that I don't have, I just have never built up a lot of arm strength in anything that I've done um, and chest strength. So lifting weights has made chaturanga actually feel good and feel like I get it. And I understand it's, it's not torture. Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is really, I think more of a factor of my age, quite honestly, than anything else. I'm in my, you know, getting up into my late forties now. I think naturally my yoga practice would have started to slow down at this age. And because I do other things physically, I don't feel guilt about it. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So I, it feels very much like my yoga practice is a response to my current energetic and physical state. Yeah. And that's what I always wanted, but I, I don't think I really had that before. So now my yoga practice can be 30 minutes. It can be an hour. It can be an hour and a half. It can be like a lot of pranayama, which I never used to do. It's just so much more of a direct response to what's happening on that day in that moment. And that is a huge relief. It feels like a respite yeah. now Yeah. instead of like, oh, I still can't balance in forearm balance. I still can't kick up to forearm balance and balance in the middle of the room. Yeah, I just don't have that. I think another thing to consider along these lines, right, is like, I was thinking about this with regards specifically to Chaturanga the other day, which is if you are strong enough to do a ton of Chaturangas, your body is probably adapted to the demands. And if you're strong enough to do a million Chaturangas, they're probably not nearly as necessary and beneficial to you as they once were. Mm -hmm. And then similarly, if you're doing a million chaturangas and your body hasn't adopted to them to be able to do them really well and easily, then you probably shouldn't be doing a million of them anymore, right? And I think on the broader topic is there just is incredible value to diversifying how you're doing what you're doing over time. Because when your body adapts to something, then continuing to just do that thing has diminishing mechanical rewards. Now, does it have continuous psycho-emotional, energetic, personal, spiritual value? Yeah, maybe. But I feel like, you know, I've practiced for a long time, so have you. So in terms of top-level difficulty poses... I've kind of figured out what my body does in this lifetime and what it doesn't do in this lifetime. And after 25 years of practicing yoga in my mid 40s now, if I can't do it yet, I probably can't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel really good about that, actually. I I feel really good about that. Like, and what I mean that specifically about an individual shape. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so 
in terms of like the gross physical things that I can do in yoga, I kind of know what that is. Mm -hmm. But let me flip it this way, which is I can run two miles in 16 minutes, right? It's kind of hard for me, but I don't, I don't run very much, right? But I just started running. And so I can do two miles at 16 minutes, but maybe I can do it in 15 minutes. Maybe I can do it in four. I don't know. There's so much I don't actually know about what my top level is, or I'm not meeting out my worth on these things. Like I'm genuinely interested in learning and growing and discovering. And so do I know everything there is to know about yoga? No, not even close. But do I know what my what my kind of peak physical ability is in an asana practice? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea what it is in other areas. So in those other areas, like it's it's very interesting to me. It's inspiring to me. It's like that's where for me there's so much learn and so much growth. And I think it's so important, right? I, I think we, we people talk about this all the time, which is it's so important. If you're a yoga teacher, you it's so important to stay a student of yoga. I agree. But it's also if you're a teacher, it's so important to be a student of something that you're not a teacher of. So that you also know what it really, so that you're continuously connected to the feeling of not just beginner's mind, but actually being a beginner at something. Mm -hmm. So it's fun for me. Or like when I take Sophia climbing and right on those like this, on like the the rating bouldering, like I'm a V0, V1 kind of guy, right? Anyone that knows what that is out there is like, what that means is I'm not, I'm really not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm I'm really a beginner. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a beginner. Mm -hmm. Like I don't really care about how good at that thing I become. But it's really helps me remember what it's like to be a beginner at something by doing something that I'm actually a beginner of. Mm-hmm. I can have beginner's mind in yoga, but I'm not a beginner. So it's really hard for me to continue to remind myself what it's like if you're a new student of yoga. But if I go climbing with Sophia, I'm like, oh, I remember, I remember the excitement. I remember the frustration. I remember the confusion. I remember like all of these things. And that helps me, it helps me help my students and do everything that I do as a teacher better as a result. That's great. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, that rather than just imagining yourself relating to them when you do other things, you can relate to being a beginner again. Yeah, I'm reminded of how, really mediocre at a lot of things that I actually am when I do those other things. Mm -hmm. If I limit myself to teaching yoga, which I'm good at, which isn't to say that there aren't, I can't continue to grow, but like the the growth curve when you're just really new to something is more precipitous Mm -hmm. than when you're 20 some years into something. So it's fun. Like it's fun and it, and it's, it helps me empathize and also getting back to the original topic, it helps me use the skills that I've developed in the yoga practice in a new world. And that other world helps me be physical in a way that makes me think about my yoga practice. Is it necessary? Is yoga enough? Yeah, probably. It depends. Does it have to be enough? I think that's entirely up to you and your discretion and your interest. And 
We are both extremely committed to yoga, but we are also happy to be learners and users of the body in other ways. Yeah, for me personally, just to kind of bring it back to yoga, there's just nothing else. There's no other physical slash, you know, energetic practice that I could do that would compare to the effects, the long-term effects that yoga has on me. So like you're saying, it's doing something else isn't to say that it's better than yoga or that it's, it denigrates, you know, the practice at all. It's just, for me, I know what's special about my yoga practice and it's not getting into the shapes anymore. Yeah, And it, that used to be one special element. And like you're saying, it's just, it's just, for me, not anymore, probably because of the simple fact of aging. And I think that's nice for those of you out there who are like, oh my gosh, like I love working on Pajlapakasana. I'll be so bored if totally. I don't have anything to work on anymore. It's actually not boring. It's really not. If you let yourself do your own practice and do what you need, need and you're like responsive and you know yourself well enough, it's not boring at all. It feels amazing. And, you know, I continue to be grateful that it's there and that I have those skills. Like it's pretty amazing for me to realize that I have those skills to the point where it just feels natural. Yeah. It doesn't feel like I have to think about it or or I'm wondering if I'm doing something right or if I used to really care. And this is really more when I was teaching yoga, but like, am I sequencing it in the right order? Am I doing this? You know, yeah, in my home practice, I would yeah. be worried about that. That's not there anymore. It's it's much more. I actually was thinking the other day. It's much more of. I practice intuitive yoga now. Yeah, that's what yeah. I would say. I, we have to wrap, but I have this thing because you just said natural. Like running two miles hard feels so much more natural to me than trying to do Pachimottanasana. Hmm. It's so interesting, right? It's like when you really get to know your body and its and your temperament and your constitution over the years you know what kind of attributes come more naturally for you and what attributes are a little bit harder to develop. And for me, it's so clear that I have like a natural set of attributes to go on long walks and run hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't have a lot of natural attributes to bend very well. <laughs> you always have said that. I don't bend, which I think is so funny. I'm no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I am a very good forward bender and back bender, right? Like, I'm good at what I do, but man, it's not that hard for me. Like, when I, when for me to run like that, it doesn't take preparation. Huh. It's yeah. just, it's a much more natural thing. And I feel like it's interesting to give myself an environment where I'm not pushing back against like what my body just a little bit more naturally is inclined to do. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, we always appreciate five-star iTunes reviews and ratings. They help others find the podcast too, or you can share it on social media. I always appreciate that. Until next week, enjoy your practice. 